Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 404 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. It's fun to have an episode air on my birthday. I mean, I guess it happens once every seven years and we've been doing this for more than seven years. So we've both had an episode air on birthday day. It is my birthday today. I really enjoy my own birthday and I am 43 today and it's Valentine's Day, by the way, that is also the same day. Well, you're my sweetheart too, Sarah. So you see it works out. (laughs) Um, And in honor of Valentine's Day, not at all related to my birthday, we are talking about kids, their crushes, and their romantic lives as best we can. We are not here to, I guess, air the, read the diaries of our eight children and talk about their specific um, romantic lives, because that's a little bit tricky, as we've touched on many times in this show. And mine don't tell me anything anyway. So I would have literally, (laughs) I would have no secrets to to reveal. Um, But we are talking about kind of where motherhood and mothering kids who maybe are um, budding romancers themselves or maybe very much not. And what that's like for us as moms, as well as throwing in a few of our own childhood memories, because that's always fun. Yeah, I just thought this would be really like a fun Valentine's Day topic because it doesn't happen that often that uh, an episode lands on Valentine's Day. And I remember as a kid at different times for different reasons and in different ways, Valentine's Day being very fraught with expectation and hopes and pressure and all of those things. And so think about, I know it's changed a lot over the years, but not, not completely. And just think about like in solidarity with all the little kids and high schoolers and middle schoolers is probably the worst right now who are sitting in a classroom somewhere, hoping they get a candy cane or not a candy cane, a sucker or a carnation or whatever, or, um, just the right Valentine's day message hand selected from the four uh, various messages that are repeated, you know, six times in each classroom, like just how much weight I personally put behind that yes. kind of stuff when I was little. Agreed. And I be bet a, to talk about. a bunch of kids just wish it would be over. I mean, I know yes. my kids mostly have enjoyed like the candy and the trinkets because yeah. they, that part was fun and the chocolate and the treats. But I think for, for a certain type of kid, the whole thing feels cringe. And yeah. I get it. I really, I really do get that. There's something kind of funky about all of this, but it's fun to discuss. So it is. Well, I wanted to, um, before we start talking about our own kids, check in about our childhood memories as we often like to do. So I'm wondering if you have a 
Valentine's Day memory from your own childhood that sticks out? So I I don't exactly have like one memory per se, but I'm just going to give you kind of like this. I'm going to set a little scene here. Sure. First of all, my mom was incredibly frugal and hated waste like a lot. Uh And so she never threw anything away. So I would be when I was filling out Valentine's, they would be like the leftover Valentine's from all of my older siblings, Uh Uh like going back to the 70s. Because you buy a package of like 32 and you only have right. 28 in your class and there's four yes. left over and she would save them. I love she this would save so much four. about your mom. <laughs> so nobody in my class ever got like a repeat. Right, right. But usually they were the ones nobody else wanted to give anybody. You know, my older siblings hadn't wanted to and it would all be different. So not only were they very dated, they would be, you know, sometimes they were cartoons, but they were like the cartoons that were cool. 10 years earlier. Oh my gosh. Um, or sometimes they were just like very dated looking. They were not the cool thing. And, and you know, in the eighties, it was a lot of, um, they were starting to have things on them, like little, um, holographs and things oh, like that. Oh yeah. That a were, little bit. The know, paper itself, a little fancy. Yeah. Yeah. This was not the case. And I also remember thinking Valentine's must be really expensive if oh. my mom won't buy a new box. And then I, you know, later in life, found out they were like a couple dollars for a box. I was like, seriously, mom, it really wasn't about the expense though. Yeah. She just couldn't bring herself to throw them out. And uh, so I gave them out. And so there was that. And I do remember, you know, the shoe box that you would decorate. Mm-hmm. I always just remember going in with such high hopes of some, even in the years that I didn't have a crush or anything that yeah. I just had these high hopes that something like really amazing would happen. Like someone would put something in that box that would be their professations of love or whatever. And and that really never happened. I did have a story, um, one year and it was either in seventh or eighth grade. So this would have been when kind of the fun gets sucked out of it because we're not doing the classroom party anymore where everybody has to give everybody else. It's romance. Yeah. Now it's romance. I was a very awkward middle schooler. Um, I didn't even have a lot of friends. Like this was not a good time of my life. And I came home and my mom had gotten me a hostess cupcake and like put a heart-shaped candle on it. And that like, and just surprised me with it. And I just like, even thinking about that now, I just think, well, she must've just known. It wasn't like we did that every year. She didn't give me Valentine's day gifts every year. So she must've just known no one else was going to be slipping a card into my locker (laughs) that day. And I still remember that. So that's probably the story that sticks out the most. I really love that. Um, and yay, mom. I love both those stories about your mom. Um, well, I think I've told this on the podcast before, but it bears, it bears repeating that, um, the height of my, like being the object of crushes was fifth grade for me. Like when, um, others had crushes on me and that was very exciting. Um, because I had crushes on a lot of people as a younger elementary schooler. And then finally it was requited when, um, I was in fifth grade and I got a Valentine that said on it from my crush that said, will you go around with me? And that was the terminology that was at the time. I love but it. don't tell anyone who would tell my mom or my dad or my sister. That was the, <laughs> that was the direct quote. I love kids. <laughs> and I didn't care. I mean, that obviously the fact that he wanted no, um, nobody to know, um, I didn't take it as an insult, like that, right. that it was like somehow a reflection of me. I, I think it was that he was mortified that he even like might want to go around with someone. So the whole thing was 
was very mortifying to him, but yet, you know, genuine. It was a genuine little gesture of romance on my birthday. So it would have been my 11th birthday in fifth grade and was really like, I mean, it took a long time to top that in terms of how happy I was to have a crush requited on my birthday on Valentine's Day. I love that story. And that was the kind of thing I was dying to happen. Right. Just never really happened for me, Sarah, but I'm glad it happened for you. (laughs) You only get a letter like that literally once in a lifetime. (laughs) You know, I saved it for so long. And then I don't know where my stuff is from that age of my life. I I remember being really embarrassed by it later. Man, wouldn't that be great if I could find that? I wish you would. I want to see a picture of it. Looking between now when we record this and when we um, when it airs, maybe maybe I will unearth it and I'll I'll keep um, his identity anonymous. But Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So, our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Motion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. So, Megan, I'm going to be leaning leaning on your expertise probably a bit more than then it won't be 50 50 in this episode. You just have more kids and you have older kids. Um, yeah. So I am curious, do you feel like you have a 
like a general like mom position on kids, kids and crushes, even dating later on and romance. Like what is your motherhood position on all of this or what have you like, how has that refined over the years? Well, I would say I I went into motherhood with no opinion, like really didn't think about it. Um, And then over the years, I found that when my kids were really little, I was really curious about their crushes in the same way you're so curious about their social lives. You know, how like when they get home from preschool and you're just dying to know everything, like who were your friends? Who did you sit with? Who did you play with? What's going on in class? And part of that was some curiosity about, I was so enamored with them as little people, like little developing people with little developing feelings and all of those things that I, I just, I really kind of wanted to know. But around that same time, I started to notice a fixation with romance and little kids that made me really uncomfortable. And it made me really rethink the way I talked to my kids about their crushes. So it's not like I, when they were little, it's not like I wasn't curious. I was, I was really curious because it was part of them, the little intriguing packages that were them. Right. But then I would also be really uncomfortable when I'd be around um, family or friends or, you know, aunts, uncles, whatever, who would ask, Oh, who's your boyfriend? Who's your girlfriend? Or like, would try to set kids up with other kids. I just, or call someone their boyfriend or girlfriend who was just another kid playing with them on the playground. Like I got really uncomfortable with that personally. So I found that that made me kind of step back from asking, even though I was really curious, I just didn't want to be another voice in there. So it's not like I never hinted or asked when they were little, I would just do it kind of a roundabout way. Like, Oh, so who do you play with? Who's someone you don't play with much, but you'd like to get to know better? Like questions Mm -hmm. like that. But I really tried not to emphasize like the boyfriend or girlfriend or who are you going to marry or that stuff um, when they were little. And now that they're older, I'm not it's not like I'm not interested, but it's just not that interesting to me. I mean, kids developing romantic, you know, interests and then having romantic relationships is just something that it's like no more interesting than I don't know like like their digestion (laughs) you know what I mean it's just it's like part of life it just happens so I don't fixate on it um I will say with the older ones like if I haven't seen them for a while I might be like oh is there anyone special or something like that but I don't ask about it much Mm -hmm. it's you know not a huge part of our conversation. And with the teenagers, I don't ask ever at all. Yeah. I don't bring it up. Like if they initiate and seem to want to talk about it, I am happy to discuss it, but I feel like they have enough to deal with and enough pressures. And, and also I feel like things have changed, like the conversation has changed so much with kids and romance and gender expression and sexuality and all that. But like the last thing I want is to step in it somehow. And I don't know, say something that makes them uncomfortable or makes them uncomfortable about um, whatever they feel like they're developing preferences are or whatever. I just don't, I just would rather wait. And if they come to me and want to talk to me about it, we'll talk about it. Yeah. 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 Well, I agree. Um, and like, I'm nodding along as you are talking. The The thing about um, projecting adult level relationship lingo onto small children. You might've been one of like the first one to kind of 
point that out, that that was a thing. And so if, if that's true, then I thank you for that because I, I also, now that makes me feel really weird and like, just wonder why, why we do that. Like why we would mm-hmm. presume so much and project so much of something that is like, just not on so many kids radar. So many kids are not even like having the crushes or the romantic feelings. And the ones who are, are not framing it in the, in like boyfriend, girlfriend. And I'm talking about little kids again, um, or flirting or so yesterday I was in the smoothie shop with Violet after school, getting a couple smoothies. And there was an older gentleman. He could have been a, a much older father or a grandfather. And he had a couple of little kindergartners with him. Um, and the little boy was, kind of being friendly with another customer who was like a college age girl who was sitting there and he was just kind of, you know, smiling and she was smiling back at him. And the grandpa, let's just assume it was a grandpa, um, was like, could not let it go. He's like, Oh, he's a ladies man. Like eyes flirt. (laughs) Like he's got your number. And then this, like the the college age girl was like 20. She was just being friendly to a kid. I just wanted to be like, can one just be friendly to a kid? And can a kid just engage with a friendly person in a smoothie yeah. shop, does it have to be that he's now a flirt? And she's well, and now- was this in some weird way the grandpa flirting? Like, I, that's right. What, it was it, like it was. It's like an indirect way of like telling this girl she's cute. Right. Exactly. And and then now <laughs> weird. Okay, is a girl actually now is she receiving romantic overtures from a five year old? That's not appropriate. Right. Like it's none of it makes any sense. And I just feel like there's so many ways. <laughs> to be friendly with each other, to, to show kids what it means to develop friendships that don't have to impose that, that presumption on them. So I guess, okay, I'll agree with you on that. I, I also don't really love that with my own kids. Um, my kids are quite private about such things. And I think I tend to be more private or more, I, I give them a lot of privacy. So I don't act like you, I don't ask a lot. I do remember uh, somewhere in the lower elementary, second, third grade with all of my kids, I will say something general like, you know, it's it's funny how around this age, like, you know, kids sometimes develop crushes on each other or you might hear on the playground that so and so like so and so. I try to tell a few stories from my because I did. I had a lot of crushes. I chased boys in kindergarten. I had I could tell you the names of my crushes from kindergarten through sixth grade. So I'm really open with that. And I will tell my kids about my own crushes and just how normal that was and how it was kind of a fun part of my life as an elementary schooler. And then I kind of leave it up to them if they want to share. Sometimes they'll share stuff about their friends. So and so like so and so. And it's not they're not telling me who they like. And that's I'm, you know, I, that's cool. Um, I've had, I've had kids of mine feel kind of uncomfortable about secret keeping and drama and like, almost like they don't love, they don't like the crush dynamics that are happening on the playground. And so then we've talked about that, but like you said, we talk about it as maybe a subset of all the other social dynamics that are happening on the playground without ascribing any, any future importance to it. It's, it's one other it's one other thing that young kids deal with, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think another thing, I had multiple crushes and infatuations throughout elementary school. Um, what is a crush even? I mean, mm-hmm. a little kid who has a crush, it does not mean they are ready for a romantic relationship. It doesn't mean they're, it doesn't necessarily mean that when they, that they're going to be early, um, like, like early uh, bloomers in that yeah. way. I 
in seventh, eighth and ninth grade did not want anything to do with crushes or romantic relationships. It's because I was awkward and like me being seven years old and having a crush on Kenny. Yeah. I had a crush on for two years and it switched to Jimmy. And then, um, and then I didn't really have any for like seventh, eighth and ninth grades. It's because those crushes didn't necessarily mean anything about my right. future dating life. Right. They were something else. They were like some, some wires firing in my brain yeah. telling me like, I'm interested in this person, mm-hmm. but like, okay, to what end? It just, to me, it's like, what is there even to say about it? Yeah. It's, doesn't mean anything about your adult self or um, where you are developmentally if you have a crush. So I, I just, and like you, sometimes those things come up in the context of talking about their friends. Um, I would often hear kind of third hand or second hand through another kid, you know, like so-and-so in the house, I think might have a girlfriend. Oh, but mom, you're not supposed to know who it was. Like I was kind of an open, uh-huh. it was open that they were keeping information from me, but that somehow they'd all figured it out. Okay. And that, so they were telling each other stuff they weren't telling me and that's fine too. It's like, that's all okay. I'm not entitled to every detail of their lives. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like both of our households are maybe a little more reserved or a little more quiet on this front. I do yeah. know families that talk really, in fact, I have friends whose kids talk to them really openly about like, my crush looked at me today and like, what, you know, like, how can I get, and and that I think is sweet in its own way. So I guess I'm yeah, not trying to impose how my family is on anybody else, but I, th- I do think it's interesting that it sounds like both our houses are a little more just like, I don't know, de-emphasizing the importance of some of this, especially with younger kids. I also did want to call back to what you said about like the, the way kids perceive their own identity and attractions is rapidly evolving right now. And I just, as a general rule, I don't presume heterosexuality of any kid really like, again, because I'm not, I am not asking them like, who's your boyfriend? Who's your girlfriend? So it's been helpful for me to just like keep everything rather neutral and let kids find the people that they find, um, and let the conversations go from there. So I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. So I am curious, other than the relationships that they see right in front of them, um, like their aunts and uncles and their parents and, you know, other, um, grown-up pairings in the community, where do you think your kids get their information about romance and relationships? I'm thinking about pop culture, but it could be also friends and peers, social media, like where are they gathering data about what's romantic? What's the role of a boyfriend or a girlfriend, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> I think a lot of it is social media. Okay. Um, and I don't think that's good. <laughs> but like, again, it's, be- it's because it takes all of the, it takes all of the pressure and some of the kind of crummy dynamics, like kid on kid dynamics and amplifies it to where it's meaning and influence is outsized, I think. Mm. Um, and, you know, music, also probably not great. Uh, <laughs> right. Celebrity and, culture. Yeah, celebrity yeah. culture. Probably my kids' anime, because they're all into anime, which, I mean, I, that can go down some dark, mm. some dark, dark paths, too. Um, I mean, I don't know that we need to go too far down this path, but for teenage boys in particular, porn. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother topic that we don't have the ability or I I'm sure like it, the knowledge mm-hmm. to really dive into, but it, it can become very distorted. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't think any of that is great. And I, I, there's been a lot of research about kids and kind of their skewed view of romance and sex these days. And I think that it's one of the unfortunate yeah. parts of where we're at with yeah. the media. Yeah. yeah. Do you, um, I'm going to talk about my own kids, but they're younger and they're largely not on social media. So before I dive in, do you remember, let's say 10 years ago before social media and before you had too many teenagers, were there pop culture or other influences that you at the time also fretted about? Do you know what I mean? Not that you're fretting right now. Um, but what was it like pre like 10 years ago? I think it was a little simpler. Um, so my older two kids, my oldest two, I don't remember them being really into like the teenage um, sitcom, like the, mm-hmm. the rise of the Disney and the, you know, those kinds of like a sitcom aimed right at that preteen yeah. set. Jacob and Isaac didn't really care about those. Um, William cared deeply about those very, very deeply. And every day after school, he had, to, you know, he had to watch Hannah Montana and uh, the Wizards of Waverly Place, and then Drake and Josh. Like, he had his whole list of shows. And I think that those were sort of like, I mean, I thought those shows were terrible because they felt so dumb to me. It was like the dumbed-down version mm-hmm. of real quality yeah. sitcom entertainment. So that's why I didn't like them. But I think now, compared to where those, like, where media has gone, if I was watching those now with my kids, I'd probably be like, oh, my gosh, this is so harmless. So... It's all on a big spectrum, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I think that did that feed into Will's, um, you know, sense of kind of drama around all that stuff? Or was he attracted to it because he was already wired that way? I tend to think he yeah. was attracted to those shows because he was wired to like that kind of drama because yeah. Clara, who was younger than him, couldn't watch that stuff at all. It stressed her out so much that she couldn't watch those kinds of shows. Like yeah. at some point she had to stop. She couldn't even watch Full House because um, Uncle Joey and Aunt Becky, and no, Jesse. Uncle Jesse, sorry. Yeah. Uncle Jesse and Aunt Becky kissed. That was it. She couldn't handle it. And also because <laughs> the dad, so Bob Saget's character kept going on dates. She could not handle that. So it was the, was it the awkwardness or was it the, um, like it felt like the kissing felt like too adult or inappropriate or something? Was it a shyness? Well, she also didn't or? like DJ dating. So I think it was just the awkwardness. I think she was just wired to not want anyone to ever be in a vulnerable, awkward situation like that. Yeah, that's good about I am. I mean, I can, but I can watch, I can watch dating content, I guess, but I, I relate to that. Um, yeah, I, I find this so tricky because as you're talking, I'm thinking, are there any positive (laughs) representations of dating and romance for kids and tweens and even teens. I mean, I do think that like quality shows and movies are starting to at least have more representation, more interesting portrayals of friendship and romance, but that's not till you get to like kind of highbrow arty stuff, right? Like I, I think that the, the funnel of content aimed at both kids and teens, you're right, is kind of problematic. Like at best, it's not very realistic at worst. Like you said, it could be pretty problematic. Um, and then if you go back a generation or if you're watching old stuff, um, this is separate. This is a little bit more about like watching adult content with your kids. But when we watch the office together, I, and I love the office, I think it's very funny, but the, 
it's not like when you need to talk to your kids about sort of like the birds and the bees, the mechanics of sex, et cetera, et cetera. You, you forget that like there's a whole layer of humor written about sexuality and relationships that's different than like explaining how babies are made or what a healthy yes. relationship looks like. It's like, wait, why is this funny? Why is it funny? And then the why is it funny is actually like probably a more important conversation to yes. have with kids than, right. than like, like the office doesn't show any nudity. It doesn't show any like any adult acts, but the humor and the why yes. is this funny? And the little wisecracks and the little offhand comments. Yes. And, and yes. And I understand that the office knows it's being like cringy most of the time. Um, but I, that was an awareness for me of like, Oh, okay. There's so much more to unpack here than, than just the basics. Okay. Well, um, and as, and as adults with decades of adulthood behind us, we have the perspective to know when something is ridiculous, over the top, yes. um, exaggeration, purely sarcasm, whatever, right? We, we recognize yes. satire um, because we've lived through the reality and kids have a very different view. Like they don't know that this is funny because it's so over the top. They just yes. think it's, it's funny because everyone's laughing and it's kind of racy. Right. So it's, I, I do worry sometimes about the distorted idea that kids get about things from shows that I genuinely think are very funny and harmless to me. Right. Because I'm not taking them seriously. Right. But I don't know that a developing teenage brain is the same. I don't know. Yeah. It's tricky. Well, before I went down that rabbit hole, I was going to back up to the youngers and say that Violet, (laughs) like your will has always loved content that portrays teenage dating drama. And Mm. for her, mostly that's high school musical, the musical, the series, um, (laughs) that is a favorite. Um, but there, she, she actually watches those Disney shows that were popular like 10 years ago that when your kids were like Hannah Montana, uh, I Carly, um, I admit this is like a third kid and I'm kind of like picking my battles at this point. I do think that Violet has lots of healthy uh, media she also consumes and lots of healthy examples of real life relationships that she gets to see, especially as the youngest. Um, yeah. so I'm kind of banking on the fact that it's just kind of candy, like it's brain candy yeah. a little bit for her. But to yeah. your point, some kids, I don't think care about, um, romance in storylines and some kids are eat it up and Violet eats it up. And she ha- I remember her asking us to tell her the story of Romeo and Juliet. We had these, like these Shakespeare for some some storybook version that someone had given us of like a turning Shakespeare into a kid appropriate um, picture book, which is so funny because so much of Shakespeare is really like tragic or gory yeah. or whatever. And there was a Romeo and Juliet one and she I had to hide it after a while because she wanted to know more about how they died in the end and they loved each other so much. And she was like four, five. So something about romantic love has always been very intriguing to little Violet. And yet she does not talk about her own crushes at all. So I just find that it's, it's all very interesting. Yeah. We are welcoming back ritual as a sponsor today, Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. 
Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. Plus, Element has a no-questions-asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors. So you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash momhour. Okay, Sarah. So before we continue in honor of Valentine's Day, I thought it would be fun to give a quick um, history of conversation hearts. Oh, nice. Because I was reading an L.M. Montgomery book that was probably written in, I don't know, around the turn of the century. And, you know, she's the author of um, Anne of Green Gables series. This is a different series called The Story Girl. But anyway, somebody mentioned conversation hearts. And I thought, whoa, how long have those been around? I guess I always thought of them as something that was, you know, like in the last generation or two. Yeah. And um, I found an article that said, so I'm just going to read this quote, quite possibly one of America's most divisive candies. I'm not sure why (laughs) that is, but most people can agree that the best thing about conversation hearts isn't the taste, but their playful nostalgia. Yet surprisingly to some, conversation hearts go back way further than grade school. The treat's history actually dates to 1847. Um, They were created by a pharmacist. And then in 1866, Conversation Hearts were officially born once uh, a guy who owned a company that became Neko discovered a way to stamp words directly onto the candies. Okay. 
Wow. So I thought that was, I didn't realize that they went back that far. And it makes me wonder how far back the tradition of giving them in class goes. Yeah. Um, If that's something that was around like in, you know, the 50s, 40s, 30s, I really have no idea. Um, But I did want to say, Sarah, and you can go first on this one. I want you to tell me of the, of the conversation hearts you're familiar with or can find online or can remember which is the one you think you'd most want to get from your crush and which is the one that you would least have wanted to get? Because I know I would try to read a lot into the message that was selected oh, for me and the so, candy that went with it. Yeah. And do you remember, I remember straight up throwing out some of the ones that I'm like, I'm yes. not giving this to anyone in my class. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if you could get the, what would be the best one? you think okay how old are we in this scenario like I'm picturing my fifth grade stuff okay so between eight and eleven should we say in that okay yeah um I think the one I would most like would be wait is there even one on here that says cute or what is it there is you are cute yeah where is that one that's the one I that's the one I'm gonna say yeah I feel like at that age I would have taken that as an intentionally like as a compliment but an age appropriate, like not one that made me think like, Ooh, I'm like, I'm not gonna, um, we're not going to actually date. We're eight. You know what I mean? Like right. the ones that say, call <laughs> yes. me or like that felt a yeah. little too forward. Um, so I feel like something referencing cute would have been perfect oh, for that age. How about you? Smart. Okay. Well, I think you, I think you were more well versed with the subtleties of, um, courting, let's mm-hmm. say. I think I just would have wanted like the one that says, marry me or be mine. Like I would have wanted it spelled out yes. that clearly. I would not have wanted to have to do any mental gymnastics to figure out what their intentions were. So, so that would have been, I would have wanted it just stated. I think be mine also, I would have, that would have made my day. Cause that's a very clearly like you are my Valentine. Like this is intentional. The ones that would have made me feel weird would be the ones that say like, marry me or soulmate, or I love you or something. I just would have been like, ah, that's too yeah. Bad. So yeah, I probably yeah. was taking it more literally, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's very smart though. Like being told you're cute is like the first overture. That's it's not like, it's not in, leaving it all on the table. In fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Then, I mean, and this is a, this is a um, small selection of the potential conversation hearts. Maybe you'll remember other ones, but what would have been one you absolutely would not have wanted to get? Like that would have been the, the, the romance killer. Okay. Well, could you, will you go first on this one? Cause I'm yeah, having trouble remembering I some of them. I think it would have been see ya. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or, <laughs> or maybe hug me. Hmm. Yeah. And I do feel like there were also ones that were, were like friend related yeah, and I would I never say, like, yeah. Hey pal. <laughs> yeah, hey pal. I actually think Hey pal was one that was around <laughs> for a long time. And I feel like that would have been, you would just be like friend zoned through a candy heart. Completely friend zoned through a candy heart. You're exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Like, or you're nice or something you're like nice. that. that were like yes, nice there were personality. Many, there were many of them that were just very like, what's the word I'm looking for? A sort of non-committal like polite, very lukewarm letdowns yeah yes exactly yeah that's funny oh my gosh well I, the I, the last thing i want to say about candy hearts the conversation hearts is i feel like they've degraded in quality like the last few times oh. i have seen them come home in my kids valentines you can't read the words or the words are like 
stamped around the corner or they're oh. or the, or they're like printed on instead of stamped anyway just a so little maybe this is kind of like a dying thing I, I think so also they're not good they taste gross no that's, they taste terrible yeah and that's yeah. the real reason probably hopefully why they are dying away but um I did yes it was very exciting as a child so I, I, I kind of yeah. hope they stick around for that reason maybe there'll be some new incarnation of them okay so we kind of touched on this but I have literally zero experience being mom to a kid who is actually in a romantic relationship, even even a fledgling one, say a sixth or seventh That you grade. know of, because kids can keep that stuff under wraps okay, if so they want to. Good point that if yeah. that has been my role, no one has told me about it. So therefore, I cannot <laughs> I cannot exceed expectations in said role um, or even try to meet expectations. But you you have had some experience yeah. being mom to a kid with a significant other. So I just want to hear all about it. Um, I guess my first yeah. question is, how was it different th- from how you imagined? How And were you different than how you imagined you'd be as the mom of a kid who has a girlfriend or a boyfriend? And then does it also make you think of that role extending into the future of someday now it's more, not a junior high girlfriend anymore. Now it's maybe a daughter-in-law. Have you thought much yeah. about that? Well, I haven't actually thought too much about that part of it. I, I, I'm sure I've got five kids. At some point, there will be partners in my future. Um, it doesn't feel like that's on the horizon anytime soon. I think the thing that I wouldn't have known going in is how very different it would manifest in all of my kids. So um, I would say four of my five kids have at some point had a boyfriend or girlfriend that I've known about. And one, I'm not sure has ever had anything beyond crushes. Um, and they've all been so different. So I, I had a kid who had his first girlfriend very young mm-hmm. and then had another one very quickly thereafter, took breakups really hard. But these were also um, completely internet-based relationships where I do feel like getting the girlfriend was just like checking off a box. I don't really feel like there was much actual, it was all expectation and disappointment, Mm -hmm. not really a whole lot of actual feelings. You know what I mean? But to a kid that can be one and the same, like, yes. (laughs) And to an adult, the feelings are are around the expectation. Like, right. Yeah. As a dating 40 year old, I often mixed up expectations and possibilities for real feelings for a specific person and desire. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's, I was, I've been surprised by the depth of despair that a feeling relationship can bring on a kid who in other ways doesn't seem like a very emotionally like expressive kid. That has been very interesting. I think, what do they say? Still waters run deep. I think that actually can be true. Uh And so maybe it's not ever going to be the one that you think that's going to be the one for whom that's really hard. Um, and then I do remember, and I'll just say which kid it was. My first experience with a, a girlfriend was Isaac. He had a girlfriend when he was 13 and I had to drive them to the movies. And I remember, or maybe he was 14, he was young. And I remember dropping him and his girlfriend off at the movies and being like, what even did I just, do? like, what even is this? Uh-huh. And they dated for a long time, like four or five, six months or something. And then they broke up. And then it was, it, I just, I don't really know what I thought it would be like, but, but it was both just like that and nothing like that. Yeah. Let's just yeah. put it that way. And then, um, I've had other kids who've had like really long-term relationships. I've had 
one of my son's girlfriends, when they broke up, tried to like text me her complaints about him and tried to pull me into the conversation. And that was really awkward. I was like, I'm sorry. Um, You know, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Best of luck to you. But I'm not going to get sucked into that. So it's just been, I don't know, more tumultuous and yet boring than I expected. Let's just put it that way. And not at all. Like I have yet to have the experience of like a sitcom, the sitcoms I grew up with, you would like, usually one of the kid characters would have a long-term girlfriend or boyfriend who would go to prom with them and do all the things. And I, so far as a mom have not quite experienced it play out like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Not quite like that. I mean, Will was close. He did go to prom with his girlfriend and all that, but I just, it's just been a little less pat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can blame again. We can blame the, the media we've consumed yes. for these very narrow um, depictions of how this all works. Cause even as moms, it affects what, like what we think it's going to be like. Right. Exactly. Um, well, I don't have much experience to add, but I will say when you were talking about the preschoolers and you were saying that really you just see early romantic interest as sort of an extension of learning to be a social person in a social world. Yeah. And I, I have sort of, tried to be mindful of the way I am around my kids' friends really is just, it is practice and it is part of hopefully the way I will be when said friend is special friend. And so I, I've found myself thinking about that. Like I can be overly, of course I want all my kids' friends to like me. I want them to think I'm cool, but not like in a try hard, cool mom way, but just like, you know, there, there are snacks in the cupboard. The, the rules and expectations are pretty clear, but not overly like I have all these things. I, I hope that my kids friends see me as. And of course, none of the kids are thinking they don't care. They literally they don't care about you. They, no, yeah. they do not care about me, <laughs> but I am thinking about it. And once or twice, it has occurred to me that like, yeah, so if there is a special friend, then there are some differences, but there's a lot of similarities. I want people to feel comfortable in my home. I want them to feel comfortable around our family. I want them to see that our family is important to each other. So like it would be a real problem for me if there was a friend or a significant other who treated siblings like garbage, for example. Yeah. Um, Or who like didn't understand family time or like didn't pick up the memo of what's important to our family. Like, and I don't mean like that they, you know, eat with the wrong fork at the dinner table or something. Of course not. But I just mean like it would be, I guess it would be concerning if a friend or special friend that my kid was spending a ton of time with um, treated other members of our family like garbage. I would make me wonder. So, yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, just like just like you said, that's no different than if it was their best friend or exactly. if it was like a kid that was coming over, you'd be like, what is this all about? Right. That has never been my experience. If anything, everyone is always on their very, very best behavior in front of me, which yeah. almost makes me suspicious in the other way. Cause you know, like, was that the Eddie Haskell reference? I mean, that's way that's like from our grandparents <laughs> generation or something, but you know who Eddie Haskell is, right? No. He was on Leave It to Beaver and he was like the smarmy best friend. Oh yeah. He was super. I think the the joke was that he was like super polite, but actually always getting the beef into trouble. Got I don't it. really remember exactly, but we all know kids like, like that. A, brown who are like, a little like, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little too good to be true. Cause they aren't. Right. Um, and I think we, I think you and I are pretty intuitive and probably would pick up on that too. So, you know, it's, it's, 
I haven't found the romantic relationships in that way to be any trickier than the friend relationships so far for me personally. Yeah. Like there hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been like a dude that shows up in leather and chains and is like, where's your daughter? I got my hog out front. And then Clara runs out. I mean, that hasn't been my experience yet. Um, speaking of an eighties movie stereotype, but I guess it could always yeah. happen. Yeah. I think another experience I haven't had yet is the experience of getting really close to one of my kids. Yeah romantic partners and then being really sad or disappointed when it doesn't work out. Um, and some of that is just the way I don't insert myself a lot into my kids hangouts. Like I come in and I make sure everyone's fed and, um, and I ask them like kind of what's going on, shoot the breeze a little bit. And then I leave them alone. And that's like, I know that's not how everybody relates to their friends, their kids, friends. And I know because of that, I probably have missed opportunities to get to know my kids' friends better, but I also feel like I haven't inserted myself as much into their friendships and relationships. And in some ways that it feels maybe like a missed opportunity, but also like less pressure for everybody. So I don't know. Is there like the best way to do this? I I don't know. Like I I have enough relationships going on under my roof that I I don't necessarily need to be buddies with my kids, friends, or boyfriends or girlfriends or any of that. Um, I will also say, because I think it's relevant, that I have talked pretty openly with my kids about my dating life. Yeah. And that, I think, has been instructive to them at some points. Um, I was actually just telling my kids the other day, we were out to eat, and I said, oh, man, I, it was in a town about 30 minutes away, and I said, I have not been to this restaurant since I came here on a really terrible date. And they asked me, uh-huh. you know, what the date was like, and I said, oh, well, this, you know, this guy... Um, didn't want to order dinner until he knew that I was like worth buying dinner for or something. It was like, it was a really, it was really yeah. bad. And I, and I, and then they were just laughing as I was telling the story. And I think that that can be like watching adults yep. um, live their dating lives. I didn't involve my kids in my dating life. I wasn't bringing, you know, dudes around every weekend or anything like that, but I would tell them the highlights sometimes. And they were aware that I was dating. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the whole time I was. Well, I I think like with any tricky thing in parenting, um, sharing your own ups and downs at an age appropriate level to the extent that you're comfortable is some of the best instruction. Like I think my kids are not sharing with me their romantic lives or innermost thoughts right now, but I can share with them what it was like to have a crush in fifth grade or we were, um, just recently we were spending a bunch of time in the next town over where my high school boyfriend lived. And so I was saying like, ah, I used to drive this road a lot. I know I, I made a joke about, it. I knew exactly how long it took to get between our two towns because I would have to make it home by curfew. This is in in high school. And they got a huge kick out about, about that and wanted to know like how many, like I was like, yeah, it's 11 minutes from here to here. And I know that because I, you know, had to make it home by curfew when I had a boyfriend who lived in this town and they, so I think there's, I, there's lots of ways to, share what you want to share and have it open up conversations, but I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we wrap up on Valentine's day, um, I will just share that I don't typically celebrate Valentine's day with my husband of 18 years in like the traditional go out to dinner or exchange flowers or gifts. Um, first of all, cause it's my birthday and that feels like more important than Valentine's day, but we have never Especially since having kids, 
We have yeah. always, it's always been a very fun day in our house, but we don't like do a dedicated Valentine's Day date out. And in fact, it's very hard to go out to dinner on my birthday because everyone else is out. So um, by the time this airs, we will have had a nice dinner out probably the weekend prior, but it's just more of a dinner out. It's not Valentine's Day, but I'm curious about you because you're more newly coupled. Are you and Eric celebrating Valentine's Day this year? So um, he has been in northern Michigan working on our property on our commercial building for since basically the holiday. Yeah. And he will be back this week. So like we're recording this, you know, before the before that date. So he will be in town. I very much doubt that we will go out on Valentine's Day. It's so funny to me. And I've been doing a lot of um, dating and like divorce related content this month just because in February, it feels like everyone's talking about romance the whole month. But to me, of all the days you should feel bad about not being coupled, like there's nothing special about Valentine's right. Day. Like, you shouldn't feel any worse on Valentine's Day than any other day because it's a terrible day to go out. Right, right. And it really, yeah, I, I want to say we're like, Neither Eric nor I are into um, obligatory displays of like timing related displays of affection or whatever. He's given me some really sweet Valentine's Day, you know, handwritten cards over the years. And this will be our third. Right. So I think I've gotten I, think I got one once and I didn't once and I don't know if I will this year or not. And we'll probably hang out, but I don't think we'll go out to eat um, because it's not easy to go out to eat on Valentine's day. And because I don't care about the day. So I don't know how it'll play out. I have very little expectation around it. And I think that's been, that was the same as when I was married. I I don't feel like we usually made any kind of a big deal about Valentine's day. Sometimes we would go out, but I do just want to reiterate. I know, especially if you're single right now and not with somebody or in like maybe a newly single mom or something and feeling very, self-conscious about being single or that, that loneliness, that feeling of like everybody else is doing something really special today. I just think that is not the case. It's not. There's a conversation heart for that. I'm sure it is not today. Oh, I know. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) We should put, do you think we could squit, um, squeeze? It's all going to be okay on a conversation heart. What's the shorthand for that? It'll be, it'll, it'll be just fine. Just fine. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, thanks for joining me on my birthday, everyone. And we will see you on Instagram and in our Facebook group in between episodes, but we will not talk to you on the podcast until next Tuesday. So just fun. remember you are cute and yes. be mine. Yes. Cutie pie. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you liked today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. 
Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.